Welcome to the 200% Life Podcast, your weekly insights to spiritual growth and business success with Adam Hergenrother and Hallie Warner. Adam, so I have been looking at your calendar for 12 years straight. And what I've noticed, I've been like, I've been thinking about this and I really wanted to ask you that I think it's kind of fascinating how your calendar and your schedule has evolved so much over the years. Like when we first, first started working together, like your midday block was all about you. I think it was you, you went to the gym and you maybe had an hour, maybe even Exercise. two hours blocked. Now your midday is about, you know, eating healthy and food that's going to fuel you and get, making sure you get your meditation in um, and you do your early morning workouts. But what I've really particularly noticed over the past maybe year, it's gotten really intense, is all the kids' activities. And so as somebody who does not have children, um, I've been dying to ask you, like, is it how much is it obligation and how much is it like that you really love doing it? Because you're spending a lot of time between lacrosse practices, soccer practices. Um, I think you have a picnic with Maddie today. You've got year-end school parties. Like that, it is a lot of stuff. So how are you, like what's oblig obligatory? What is that you truly are enjoying? And then, you know, why are you doing, like why are you choosing to spend your time there right now? I mean, honestly, I know it sounds like a weird question because yeah. they're your kids, but not everybody does that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of um, pins that you put in there. So let's start with the kind of the first one that you you mentioned, you know, where before I even met you and got into actual real estate, I had a uh, structured job. I don't know if people know this, but I actually worked as a commercial underwriter for a bank. And that's actually one of the main reasons why I got into real estate. I, um, I had got, I was, I thought for sure I had been a part of this course called advanced honors wall street seminar, which they took basically the top I think there were six or seven of us from the finance school at UVM, and we interned that that semester down in Wall Street, which which meant that we went down there once a week, once every other other week. They the school flew us down. We would meet with um, this company called Hula and Loki Howard and Zukin, and they were an investment banking firm. And we would come back, and basically my entire semester, I, I avoided all the classes, and I literally just put all my energy into this investment banking. And at the end of that, there we basically you're guaranteed a job on Wall Street, essentially. Like if you got into this program, which I can still remember, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but I can still remember like it was like we all knew when this professor who was who was lauded and notorious in the same breath, right? He was lauded by once you got out of school and realized that he had the key to all the people that would essentially that were essentially showing the most probability of success at that time in school. Um, uh, but during it, like he would be the hardest teacher that you'd ever have. He would be the hardest on you. He would be, he was just non, he was just, there was non-negotiable items with him. Like, and people did not, people that did not really want to go school avoided his class. Like it was like the plague. Anyways, I leaned into it, uh, and wanted to be a part of this course so bad. And, you know, I was, I think I got a B plus in his class. Um, and I think uh, there was people that had higher grades than I did. But I'll tell you, I ended up becoming pretty good friends with him afterwards. And I and I asked him, I said, you know, why did you choose me for that? And he and he said, because your effort. And he said, you put in more effort than anybody else. Anyways, getting behind the switch. So, anyways, we I thought for sure I was gonna be on Wall Street, right? If you had asked me any time in college, I would have there's no way Vermont is going to handle me, like basically into that context. And I ended up dating, I was dating this, I ended up dating this girl for a while. Uh, and she did not want to go down to it. She had one more year left in college. And so I ended up staying up here and not taking a job down there for this particular reason. And it was really mixed. Um, 
but it was, it was a great path. It was, it was my journey and I'm so happy I didn't go down that path. And, and, and whatever reason I chose to do that, I can't necessarily tell because it was, it was against everything that everyone thought I was going to do. Right. And so anyways, I had, I will say one thing that contributed to that is I studied abroad for uh, eight months in Australia and that after I did that, I went directly in advance honors to wall street. So I never really synthesized my experience that much. But when I look back on my life now, that experience made me realize how much I appreciated Vermont. Uh, and how much I took it for granted and how much I thought the grass was greener on the other side of this. And towards the end of that eight months, I actually longed to be in Vermont. And so that I think really paved the way for me to make a better decision in my life or to help life make a decision for me from that experience. So anyways, I ended up staying in Vermont and I was a commercial underwriter and I started underwriting all these, all these deals. But the reason why I brought this up was because um, I, I also remember seeing people at the time, this was, you know, 2004, 2005 and, uh, 2005 essentially. And I remember, at, you know, people were making 150 grand, 200 grand, 250 grand. And I thought they were like gifts to the world. And I would underwrite their deals and I'm like, these people must be magical in some way. And take it for, I was making $30,000 a year at the time. And so for me, it seemed like a, such a far outreach. And I remember, uh, I remember, um, uh, meeting with a couple people in like the first couple of weeks. And I, and my aha coming out of that was like, wow, these people are no different than I am. And I, I was giving them so much credit for what they were. And in fact, I was looking at my life and I was like, man, I think I'm, I didn't want to say the word better, but I was like, man, I'm way more motivated than these people to go out there and do this. And they keep telling me that. Right. And so at the time I had actually structured my day in the middle of the day, uh, I had worked out this arrangement from day one of my, my first job to long story to get to answer your question here. I, uh, I literally, um, would, would get to work at seven 15 when everyone got at eight and I would take an hour and 45 minute lunch break. So I could actually work out in the middle of the day. And so that was what I, I worked out with my, I was like, look, like, can I show up at seven 15, get there early, do my work? Cause I was always this results oriented individual. That's essentially how I like to run all of my companies now which is I don't really like to manage people. I, I, in fact, I'm, I'm not really that good at it because I just expect people to do what they need to do because that's how I would operate in, in that capacity. And it's funny because I ended up getting fired from that job, which is the only job that I've ever been fired from. And it was a really weird feeling um, at the time. I actually think I might've came home and like when I told my mom, my mom was crying. Like I started probably crying because I was like, I felt like this weird spot. I was just out of there. My mom had just been fired, which is why actually I got fired by the way, because it's a long story, but my mom had been fired from a company that we had an account with and they said it was about money. And I called up the guy who was just at my graduation, by the way. And, and my mom worked for like 13 years. And, and I was like, Hey, you, you told my mom that it was because that you, you had a money issue and I'm looking at your accounts and there's definitely a money issue. And as soon as I said that, I realized I was probably gone. I, like, I was going to say, we have a whole episode of you explaining that entire story and, uh, we can definitely put that in the show notes too. Yeah, it was, it was just fun. Yeah. It was just funny anyway. So anyway, so I, I moved from there. So my point is then I got, I moved into one more structured job and they actually, this job was great. I was, I was making now $50,000 a year. So it was a huge increase. By the way, my professor had got me that job, by the way. So he vouched for me and said, yeah, Adam, I was a financial controller. I had an assistant. Uh, and at that job, I took an hour and 45 minutes and went and worked out in the middle of the day as well too, and kind of did this different thing. You know, what's really funny though. I realized I had a great job, like for, for what they were giving me, the flexibility, they were, you know, anything I really needed to do, they, they were, they were great. I just had this just drive that I needed to be basically, I was like, I'm unemployable. Like I'm an unemployable person and I can't stand being in a system that like controls me. It was like, can't put somebody putting me in a box. 
Um, and I think that's, that's essentially come out in my schedule, right? Which is I'm co- constantly iterating my life so that like I can squeeze and maximize what I have deemed in my life at the certain points of their most efficient and most important to me. And, and they, and by the way, they've also, they've changed, which I think you're different. People are in different seasons of their life. I mean, people don't also realize I don't talk about it too much anymore, but I worked 12 hour days for seven days a week, right? Just nonstop. I actually really enjoyed it, right? I enjoyed, I just leaned into it. I wanted anyways for those experiences. But that was so when you, you your point. That was a completely different season of your life. Yes, that's it. exactly Maybe right. Maybe you were married at that time. I'm not sure, but the, you know, no kid. I wasn't married. Yeah. Uh, Sarah and I were dating. Yeah. Um, we started dating in 2006. We didn't get married in 2009. But um, for three years, it was like we were together, but like it was just like, this is what we did. The, yeah, you, you were in the grind. Yeah. yeah. In fact, we actually had made a, um, we had made a goal for ourselves in 2006. Um, you know, Sarah and I uh, met and then within a month we moved into each other, which I've never operated that way, nor has she with any other person. So it was just really interesting yeah. how we, how we did that. Um, and we had like shortly into that, we were, you know, we were like, Hey, before we have kids, I want to make sure we're in a situation where we can control our life. And so then I just had this massive goal of like, I just need to go get enough financial resources so that if we, cause I always wanted children, it was very clear. And so did she. Um, and, uh, and before we do that, and so she stopped essentially working in that structured environment, if you will, she has an incredibly hard job now, um, which is, which is a whole different functionality of family with three kids under 10. Sorry, can I mention something too, because I always think that, I mean, people see you now and see how your life is now. And that I've obviously been like helping support you for the past decade or so, but I always, I always feel like we don't talk enough about how much Sarah contributed to the start of your career and getting, helping get the business set up. And she's the one who initially trained me on a lot of things um, when I was working more on the real estate team. I mean, didn't she have her real estate license even before you did? Yeah. For like six years. She taught me how to sell real estate. Right. And I think that, um, that sure, maybe her path has shifted over the years too. Like she's in a different season, but I, I never want to for any of us to forget, like in the world to forget that she was such a foundational part of both your career and the very early stages, I would say, right? And then and of mine too. So shout out to Ellie, I will say that everybody has a force multiplier behind them. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> she was honestly, she was she was the was. Force, first force multiplier. And yeah. she was amazing at taking really amazing care of clients. Uh, and also um, so very detail oriented to the behind the scenes yeah. things to make sure that they run properly. Whereas me, I was just tracing and cutting trees down. And, 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 and finally at one point we realized that like, it just, it was, I, she realized that like, you just need to go down your path. Yeah. Like yeah. you're just, you are taking this way beyond my, my ability to want to be at that level in business. Um, and I think that's, that's, wonderful that we could we can admit that so anyway she moved into into her path and i moved in mine but she yeah you're right for those first four or five years it was it was instrumental there um and then uh you know and then so then when we got into that that next season of there i just started like, what was really important again and physicality has always been extremely important most people know i was 100 pounds overweight so i lost weight and i've kind of i've kept it off and continued to tweak my my life and my, and my efficiency in terms of like my physicality, that's always been really important to me. So that's always been a staple some way or another, but to kind of, and then, you know, this, this iteration of like, now I get up early because, you know, as I started having kids, I needed to get it done before my kids were there. 
Um, and then in the middle, then I, you know, in 2009, or I got into meditation. Um, so I've been meditating for 12 years as well, too. And so that became, I tried to do the evenings, but if you have kids at all, you, it's like almost, it's very difficult to do it. You know, in fact, now I probably could, because my kids are old enough, mm-hmm. they would leave me alone and they know that I meditate and they just, they go, Oh, that is, they'll actually come over and like, they'll, I always set like a timer for my kids because they know how long I'm there. So I can feel them come over and look at how much longer I have in the meditation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I go, Ugh. like I can hear them because it's longer than what they want to see. But that's how they they give me my space now, yeah, which is five years ago they didn't because they didn't know any difference. Right. Um, and then, you know, as it, as it relates to the the activities that are that are involved in my kids, especially right now, because we're, we're wrapping up school. So there's all of these yeah. end of the school step ups, graduations, picnics events that are all going on, all these different things that are there. Um, I genuinely enjoy being with my kids and watching how they interact with the world. And so anything that I can do that allows me to be present with them, that they can, um, that I get to witness their interaction of how they see the world outside of our family life, I think is a great way to do it because you get an instance of how your kids operate, how they think Mm -hmm. when they're not necessarily around you all the time. I will say that there's a part of me, there is like this, I I would say it's the part of the ego that feels, oh, you need to be there for that. Um, But it kind of comes in and just goes away, right? It's kind of like, oh, it's like you need to be there for those different things. It's probably more in the beginning. So you could, I think, you know, you could post about it or share about it, which is, as most people know, that's not really my thing. Um, Now it's more of just, I don't, I love watching them interact with other people. Uh, because I think you get a real sense of how they interact with the world when they at- interact with you. Sometimes it's different or sometimes you don't, you can't see all sides of it. Mm-hmm. So going to places where they're doing and watching how they interact with kids or watching how they interact in sports uh, is, is wonderful. I also, yeah. And I've also, I also use that as an opportunity of like, what can I influence them on of how I see how they're interacting with the world of how we can do it. Uh, like even this morning, as an example, I came in for my run and I go, I was like, Asher, I was like, do you know the most important thing that I can teach you as a father? I mean, literally this happened this morning. And, and he goes, yeah, I, can, I do. And I go, well, what is that? And he's like, oh, to teach me to go inward. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I said, let's just make sure we under- explain that. It's like, it's just that you, their goal is for you to be happy no matter what you're doing, right? And it's, yeah, I said, so it's never about, it's not f- doing the action to be happy. It's being happy, then bringing that into the action. Mm. And so we always, we always like always find little opportunities like that. And I feel like, in sports and in picnics and things in your, when you're having those experiences, there's money of opportunities to kind of teach them to do those, do those things so they can learn earth. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, if, if you will. Well, and so, I mean, obviously you have con- relative control over your calendar right now so that you're able to do that. But I mean, was that a conscious decision for you to, cr- I mean, to, you have to say, you do have to say no to some things in order to be, a, to make, to prioritize that. So kind of like, what's your thought process? on how you are managing all of that? Well, I think you, I think this comes down to discipline equals freedom. And so if you know that you have a day where you're going to be an out for an hour, an hour and a half doing something with your kids, then you just need to find either need to be more efficient with your time, or you need to find other, other areas, other opportunities to make up that time to be able to do it. And then again, for me, it's always been about bringing on leverage, right? Mm -hmm. Which has always been the case. And then understanding the boundaries it's funny because we got in this long conversation um, at the all partner call yesterday with Matt, Eric and I about this, like the same question. They said, you've, you've had a ability to do this in your life. Like I don't, that we haven't really seen many people do. 
and it's not that like it's uh it's this conscious like it's not like how much can i squeeze out of the moment it's just you get very clear on what matters that day and you just put your energy on that you laser focused on the one thing right which drives the most um and i and I, I think you have to look at your life holistically in terms of like there's business there's life there's personal relationship there's physicality there's spiritual and like how do you it's that kind of work you know learn work play concept you just want to do it every day and if there's things that are in there then i'm just going to do it um and and, and make it a priority in my life i think that's the i actually I think that 90-ish percent of people, if they wanted to go to more of their stuff with their kids, they could. I, I really believe that they could. They could do PTO time. They could, you know, there's there's certain things. All of it, no. In fact, there's- Or whatever there's their you don't, priority is or whatever their- Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that, that Sarah goes to. Like, Sarah goes to most of the field trips right now that are all day. Yeah. Like, a lot of, I, don't, I don't go to all those. Sarah does. Like, that's her time. She goes to them. She can do all that stuff. Um, so I'm not saying it's like that you get to, but there's, you know, taking an hour out of your day Like I, I, I think most people, if they really wanted to, could make that work uh, in almost 90% of the times. Yeah. And even I think that concept, people are like, yeah, totally. Like we can, I can prioritize, I can, you know, figure out what's important to me. But I think that, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, uh, I think it's true that people don't do that because there is a fear of um, disappointing other people. And or or not getting ahead at work or uh, disappointing their boss or whatever the case is so that even if they know what the priority is and even if they understand that concept, there's still that fear that holds them back from actually doing it. Yeah, you're spot on. This is where the inner work really comes in, which is the clearer you get. So the minute I mean, this is doesn't matter if that it's take this as an example, like you're supposed to do something. Like you want to go with to a picnic with your kids for 45 minutes. Okay. It's you're going to be out of your day for an hour and a half drive time, 45 minutes there, drive time back. Okay. Right. The minute you feel any shift or get weirdness inside, that's when, that's when you get to do the work. Like you instantly, instead of following that energy that's disturbed because disturbed energy by definition is disturbed. It won't relax. So people come into that and thinking like, I get disturbed or I feel this weird energy that shifts the minute I do this thinking like, oh, I feel guilty going over here and doing this, or I shouldn't, I need to go impress my boss. That is what I'm talking about with disturbance or weird energy. It just shifts. And the minute that happens, for me, it's just, I've been doing this for, for so long. It just naturally happens, this process. The minute it shifts in energy, I go, great, I get to let this go. And so I then I instantly relax. It's not like the disturbance relaxes. The consciousness that's witnessing it relaxes. And think of it this way. I, I've, I've been wanting to use this as an example. It might be a time to do it. Um, when people say they've changed, mm-hmm. right? Like I think a lot of people would say they've changed in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had this aha that's like, well, how do you know that you've changed? Because the only way that change can occur is if there's a constant behind it. So you are the actually the constant behind the change. You're the one that witnesses the fact that something has changed in front of you. Mm-hmm. So it's not you that actually changed. Uh, can you it's, give me an example of that? Well, how do you, like, there has to be two objects, two things in there for something to notice a change. So like what? Because if, okay. so if you go back and you go, wow, I've really, I think everyone would agree that at some point they've, they've changed. You go, wow, I changed a lot when I was in high school from where I am today. The way you think, well, how do you know you changed? Because they're instantaneously, when you say I've changed or I've, 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 you know, broadened my horizon or I can see things differently now, Mm -hmm. how do you you have to be comparing it to something that 
basically unchangeable. That's always there, which is consciousness, which is who you are. But doesn't consciousness grow and evolve or not? It doesn't. No, it's just the constant. That's how you, that's the awareness of being is that. And so you notice change that happens. Yes. Consciousness does not change. Well, I think it can, I think evolution in itself, that is a force of change and that, that evolution can change. You come down here to work on yourself, to actually work on letting go of the part of you that is like this, having this human experience. But when you're saying what you're saying, and let's just keep it simple in this definition, when you're saying I've changed, what you're saying is the human part of me, the psyche, the ego, the thinking patterns, the awareness has changed, but there's a constant. So if you're a, if you're a individual flame from consciousness, consciousness itself is always evolving. So it's kind of always changing. But what you're saying is my individual flame in a Bunsen burner, I, that be, that there's this constant that's also seeing a change occur in this human experience. And so it's like, whenever, whenever people say it, just, we use this language all the time. And it's just kind of bringing reference back to it is like, my season has changed my life. You just, and you'd say you changed, but there's something that's witnessing that change. Even if it's an inner change, it's still being witnessed. Yeah, it's still occurring. Because if it was just an inner change and you get the inner experience, it would just be the change. It wouldn't be something you experience. You know, I'm starting to lose you there a little bit. I'm just thinking like, so give me an, like of an inner change. Like if somebody um, lets go of their ego, for example. Yeah. Um, and that's that's an inner change. You let go of your ego. And so that changes, but the consciousness does not change. The, there's a there's a constant stream of permanence of joy, enthusiasm, love, peace, all that. That shakti, the energy, it's always there. That's the source of all of this, right? right. And some people call that God, and whatever you want to refer to it as, right. it's, it's almost irrelevant. That is just there. It's just okay. there always. I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. And so, what changes on top of that is what you're seeing as your experience, but like, or how you develop yourself while you're here. But you're seeing it from the frame of reference point of the constant. Let me give you a better example of this. The sky, I think people would say the sky is always there, right? Okay. The sky is always there. Sure, it, it, is it evolving? Yes, maybe it changes temperature, but it's evolving in, in harmony with everything. Like, so it's evolving, but it's constant. That's what I mean from that. But individually with the sky, there's lightning, there's rain, there's wind, there's sun. It's always changing inside that against something that's constant. Okay. Yeah, I got you there. And so that's, and that's when, so when people, I just, you know, when we talk about personal growth and change, it's all the same because really what you're doing is you're witnessing this experience change. And so I think it's just fascinating that we use that language constantly. Like I am this constant that's actually witnessing the change in how I'm evolving here. Uh, so you mentioned earth school a few minutes ago, which I love that, that, so anyway, let me, let me share this with you. Um, I love that whole idea of earth school, by the way, I started reading a book, um, called on our best behavior, the seven deadly sins and the price women pay to be good by Elise Lonin. It is so good. There's so much great information, um, great historical context, really interesting perspective, um, about the evolution of people, but also of consciousness. There's a lot of that in there too. But one thing she mentioned in there was this whole concept of earth school, which we don't want to confuse with earth school, which is a 10-step action plan designed to help reach net zero emissions by 2050. That's like an official earth school thing. But the whole concept of earth school um, is what are we doing here? Where are we going? This is what she said. What I came to understand to be earth school, where we are evolving, learning, growing, and then we come back and we do it again. So to me, that meant like 
our consciousness, our consciousness comes to earth to go to school. Is that what that means? And like, what do you think about that? I, I mean, I think it's hundred percent accurate. I think we come down into earth to evolve and then we go back. It's like, it's like earth is literally a place where souls come to evolve. Um, I mean, that's literally a place where, where souls come to evolve. I mean, that's really what, how I, how I see earth is a place where, again, you are in there. You are not your body. You're not your thoughts. You're not your emotions. You're not the roles you play. It's just, you're down here getting witness all of these plants and animals and people that yell at you and say things to you, all these different things that are happening. And it's just, you're just down here for a short trip. I always mm -hmm. kind of early on in my life, I always said it as like, it was like the analogy of like, if you jump and you go into Florida is like basically the same way of you like jumping into earth is like you go down to Florida, you're on a vacation for a little bit and you come back to your home. That's literally how I see it here. It's like, we're above. And I used to joke with this, like you're above somewhere, wherever you are. And you're like, all right, Allie, I'll see you after death, like AD, right? Like I'm going to jump down in there, take on this human form, grow as much as I can, which is why there's breadcrumbs, which is why there's, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years, there's been, you know, there's been these breadcrumbs that have left for us of know thyself and, and what the real work is here and, and why there is an overarching question that almost every human being asks at some point in their life, which is what's the point of all of this? What, yeah. Why am yeah. I here? What, why am I doing any of this? And which is why it's this, it's almost inherent in us. It doesn't matter what society, what culture, I would say at some point people ask that, that existential question, which is, hold on, what, it, what do we even, let's get beyond this little role that I play in business or trying to go get this thing over here. Let me just pause for a second on all of this and ask a bigger question, which is what the heck are we doing here? And then again, it, it, and I think that the, the truth that everyone points to, and so when people say the, the absolute truth, I would define that in two things, but the absolute truth in this context, right? Which is, which is you're here to evolve. And so you go, what is to evolve? Which is you are here to have this human experience. So what, so consciousness can experience itself. And when consciousness is here experiencing itself, it's able to actually um, evolve as a consciousness instead of evolving. If it's just it, it can't evolve. So it has to create an alternate reality for it to come into and actually evolve and then go back and evolve the whole consciousness itself. Uh, when you were, when you asked the question or when we asked the question, you know, who am I or, or what's the point? Why am I here? Who is, is the consciousness asking that or is the human form of us asking that? Well, I think it can be both. I think there's an inherent, uh, deeper, uh, seeking of the truth that is, is, is there for all of us. And I think some people allow that light to shine through higher and they go down that path quicker and faster. And there are some people who may not see that until their, their last few days of their life. Um, and they're, and it's just, it's nothing wrong with it. I mean, just how many times you need to come back here. Right. I mean, I don't know how many, how many times I've been here or how many times you've been here, but at some point we, I think the deeper, the more work you do during your lifetime that you're here, the less times you need to come here. Uh, you know, and I don't really know if that's what it is, but it seems that way that evolution right now started off very, you know, in, in, a, in a way and then suddenly got dark and for, I'm saying over hundreds of thousands of years, right? And now it's come back to this new turning point, which is, is people are waking up and asking these deeper, deeper questions about what is, why am I here? Who am I? Right. That's a big one. Who am I? And if you just meditate on that itself is, will bring you in the way, but it's just this deeper question of just 
why am I here? And I think- But are those questions keep, of the mind or are those questions of the consciousness? I think you see it in the mind because it's an instrument that you can use to actually ask the question, but I think it comes from a deeper source of consciousness. It's just the same thing here. When people say, uh, you know, consciousness spoke through me, I think, you know, for a while I used to be like, it just sounds so airy fairy. I don't get it. Well, and now well, hey, having the, I was going to say that I, but I also hear like God spoke through me. Is that the same? Yeah. I, I just didn't use that word well, okay, um, okay. just because I just didn't want to trigger anybody, but it's God spoke through me. Consciousness spoke through me, whatever, whatever word is that it's used. And I think really what people are saying is if you get out of your way, you're still using your mind as a, as a tool to do it. And let me give this example. If you were to go turn on your radio and turn it to an FM station and you turn it turns into 98.9, the radio itself is not generating the thought, but it's picking up the signals and then distributing it so people can hear. I think it's the same way with our body and our minds mm -hmm. is the same analogy there is you're picking up the signals and then distributing to it. The problem for most of us that we found ourselves into is the radio signal comes in in 98.9 and before we allow it to come out, we go, it's not right. And so then we've put this, we put our own ver skewed version of the, of the music. And then that's what comes out. Cause that's what's that's. So, so the radio is coming, the signal's coming in. And it's 98.9. Instead of allowing it to just be 98.9 and whatever's going to play there, we go before this goes out there. No, hold on. I know how this is supposed to be. And we, we basically create our own other mechanism called an ego that then distorts the information that come in there based on how we want it to be and how we see it. And then we share that in the world. And so when you unpack yourself, what you're really doing is you're removing that part of you that filters Filter, the world yeah. from the way you see it and allowing it to actually work through you. So when people say, wow, I just like I'm speaking or you're in a, even right now, like I just, it's like, I, I don't know where that analogy came from. I've never used that before in my life as an example. And it just showed up and I just went with it. Right. So it's like just being and, in that flow. Yeah. Flow it's the same state. flow state in basketball yeah. when people, or I say any sport that people do. And they're like, wow, I never knew where that came from. But all of us have experienced yeah. that, right? Like you just have a flow state and you just find yourself doing that. That's what it means to like how it, have it, something work through you. And I think, you know, when, I mean, Eckhart Tolle talked about this at length when he's like, for years, I couldn't write anything. And then all of a sudden I had this impulse to move and I finally moved. I sat with it for a while and I finally moved. As soon as I landed off the plane, I wrote the book, right? Like it just worked through me. And I just wrote this entire book and it was, and I had no idea what was going to happen with it. Do you it. have to like clear out all the, how do you get that to happen on a more regular basis? Like, do you have to? Well, this, this goes back to, oh, now you're, now you're the, the fundamental question that you're asking for is like, how do I have more clarity in my life? Yes. Which is the, 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 the inner work that we do, right? Yeah. Which is, okay, the minute we have any level of disturbance, right? That we, and we, everyone knows what that means. It's just the, the energy has shifted energy is shifted inside, you relax the energy shift. Because what's tr what's happening there is the signal, let's just go with this analogy, the signal is actually trying to come through and it's pushing up the stuff that you've blocked in the channel. So like there's a channel that the energy wants to come through and you've stored all of these experiences that you did not like or loved in your life and you've put them in the middle of the channel blocking the frequency or the energy to work its way through you. So what happens when it hits block, it goes out as anger or it goes out at jealousy or it goes out at your lower level. And that's where chakras were basically just come from as a way to describe this process that happens naturally. We block ourselves in these lower chakras. The energy has to come out just like it has to go somewhere. 
So it ends up shooting out to the sides instead of coming up, which is why you feel anger way lower in your abdomen than you do feel when you feel love. It's much higher. As it comes higher, as the energy is no longer blocked and it starts to rush up through you and come higher, the channels open. So it's not leaving any more lower. It's all of a sudden now working its way up higher and higher and higher. And then as it comes up higher and it comes out your heart or comes out your third eye or comes out like your hands as healers do, this energy is coming out at a higher vibration because it's working in a higher channel and it's coming out a different chakra, which we then call love or enthusiasm or joy. And that's what we're addicted to that we feel. So the reason why we don't feel that way is because we keep blocking all of this in our, in the channel of allowing it to actually work its way through. So the, the process of uncovering this and unpacking this is all about in every moment where I feel energy shift, I can be sitting at work and somebody asks me to be on a meeting and my energy shifts. I just say this personally, cause this happens all the time for me, right? It's just it, the energy shifts and I go, ah, great. I'm no longer going to fight this. It's going to do its thing. I don't know why it happens like that for me. I have no idea why. And I'm just going to go, but it's a great way because I know that I'm going to get rid of this. And so I relax and release and it just allows the event to work its way through. And then I lean into the meeting and then I lead in the business or, uh, you know, all of a sudden like yesterday is a great example. My, I, I, I worked until like, it was like 517. I just remember the time I, my kids walked in at 517. They're out. So I worked up at that 517. I put my laptop down as soon as my kids came in, Maddie came and sat on my lap and, and then she, we were sitting there and all of a sudden she's like, do you want to play Uno? And instantly my energy shifted. In a bad way. And, oh, I was gonna say, and it, was, it, it did because it was almost because she wanted then I'm telling you, this is a, this is for whatever reason, people taking my time feels like your time. It, can be, it can be my kids. Yeah. It can be anybody. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so instantly there's energy shift in there. I'm like, and I just use the positive affirmation. If you want to use the mind analytically, you can and going, my daughter's asking me to play Uno with me. And I got shifted. That is the weirdest thing for me to get upset about. And then, so then I just allowed the expense. I allowed it to lean in. I lean into it and all of a sudden it, the energy moved and we played like three rounds of, of Uno and we had a ton of fun. Just giving you examples of like what it's like in real life. And for and it's different for everybody. For me, it's that, yeah. right? I think it's just that always has been a trigger for me. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I actually became unemployable was because I never wanted anybody to take my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also, I can't use life as a way to get around that either. One of the things that I think that, again, that I've really gotten in the business for was so that nobody could actually tell me that it was actually a a crux from a way of me avoiding that. And so what's really fascinating, I think in my life, these series of events have unfolded over the last couple of years for me to actually put me in a situation to go work on it. Mm. And that's what I really have realized over the last couple of years in my life, which is I'm not, I, I, I sure. Could I go avoid it? Yes. But that's actually not what life is looking for me to do. I mean, avoid it. I mean, I could go and Financially, I could just not do anything the rest of my life if I didn't want to. But that's not actually what life is asking me to do here. It's not asking, it's not the growth that it's looking for from this experience in life. Mm-hmm. And so then I just wake up and I go, well, I'm going to lean more into this. And then it's funny. And then then you're no longer battling into that. That's what you get to lean into. Yeah. I was going to say something very similar that it's it's funny that that's why you got into business was because you didn't like people taking your time. And yet- life keeps showing up because it's still trying to teach you something there because I just know from helping manage your schedule yes. and see like people are after your time more than probably they were before you got into business on your own. Exactly um, right. And probably now more than ever, you know, people want to get on your calendar. They want to pick your brain. They want, they want something of you. They want your time. 
Um, and so, yeah, the, yes, that's got to be something to do with why you're here on here on earth to work through. No, it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent. And I, what I've, what I've come to realize when I've gone out of it in terms of remember life is not all about getting what you want. I know that everyone tries to teach you that. And I know that it feels good when there's no denying that when you get what you want, you feel good. I'm not, I'm not denying that you feel freaking wonderful. Actually, when you avoid getting what you don't want and you, and you get what you want, you feel great. It's wonderful. But the problem with that is we get caught in this plainness game. Deep, deep growth. I'm just going to say deep growth is not about getting what you want. It's, it's honestly about being in a state of complete joy, regardless of what's happening outside there. That is because when you get what you want and you feel good, you live conditional happiness. And that's not how people want to live, which is why people still wake up every day literally struggling to figure out what, where's my passion? What am I supposed to do? And they have trouble with decision-making because they're always trying to measure it against how they're going to conditionally feel when they get it. And so people spend their entire life doing this until you wake up and realize it's not wrong. It's not like it's whatever, it's just part of it. It just doesn't work. And so to truly have unconditional happiness, or I like to refer to as more of absolute freedom in your life, which is to truly be okay with everything, which means that it's not that I'm going into action, action in business, action with kids, action in leadership, action with money to get a joy or a, a feeling of excitement or energy from it. I am that feeling of joy, enthusiasm, excitement, and then I bring that into whatever I'm doing. It's a totally different way of thinking about it. But one is unconditional and one is conditional. And so which one do you want to realize? And the paradoxical thing about this thing is, is once you realize this is going on and you start going the other way of realizing that life isn't about getting what you want, two things happen. Number one, you actually get what you want, which is ironic. Number two, you actually realize what you really wanted was that flow of energy feeding you. And you realize at some point it just dawns on you that it's not coming from outside. It's not coming from anything that I do. It's what they refer to as the peace that passes all understanding. Because when you have peace, when you get what you want, it makes sense. When you have peace, when you're not getting what you want, it doesn't make sense to most people. So it's why the peace that passes all understanding. So two things actually end up happening from that. You feel way better about life. You just have way more joy and, and just, you just become a blessing to people. Like you're delightful. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you're just gregarious. It doesn't mean like you're outwardly effusive. It doesn't mean like that. It just means that inside you just feel wonderful. And that may take a different shape of being introverted, extroverted. That's, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Here. How you express it, how you express it isn't about what we're referring to is you're just having this one or inner state. And so those are the two things that end up happening. Hey everybody, before you go, Helen and I wanted to ask you for a favor. As business owners, you understand that reviews and testimonials are an essential part of growing your business and reaching new audiences. Well, from two business owners to another, we would be incredibly grateful if you could support us by leaving a review. It does really help us get the podcast in the hands of other conscious business owners. So thank you.